Hello, I'm Michelle. And I'm Laura. And this is the Pair Entrepreneurs Club podcast, a weekly show to help you navigate the demands of being a working parent. We will share lots of practical ideas, hints and tips, and our own and others' experiences with juggling work, family, health and finances. Above all, we want to help you find your purpose, define your identity and banish any confidence gremlins that might be holding you back from the life you dream of. No matter whether you have children or not, there will be something here for you. Let's get started. Hello listeners and Happy New Year. Today you're joined by myself, Michelle and Laura and we're the co-hosts and co-founders of the Pair Entrepreneurs Club. And in this episode, we're going to delve into an often overlooked aspect of success, and that is the fear of failure. So as we bid a farewell to 2023, many of us have taken the time to celebrate our successes. But how often have we taken the time to actually spotlight our failures? Well, in this episode, we're going to have a conversation and as scary as it is, we're going to explore the failures that we've experienced in 2023 and also how we can embrace them and move forward and as we find success for 2024. So, Laura, interesting topic, one that we've uh, had a bit of a conversation about when we had our session yesterday. And I know we've both done some reading on this topic quite recently. So it's kind of provoked something in both of us. Um, and it's something we've been quite good at as a business, isn't it, really, um, to kind of look back on um, what we've done well, but also actually what could we do slightly better? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, psychologically, it's um, it's a, a massive field of interest for me anyway. And it's something that um, I used to listen to on uh, Darren Brown's Bootcamp for the Brain podcast uh, ages ago. Mm. Um, but this this kind of fear of failure or how we set ourselves up for failure. Um, if you, I mean, I, I was saying to you the other day about how I've been in the gym and you see all these people that all of a sudden in January fill the gym. And I can't get on any machines. And a lot of it is because they set this, well, 2024 is going to be my year. If I'm going to get fit, this is exactly what I want to do this year. When in reality, it probably isn't actually what they really want to do. It's just yeah. they feel that that's something that they should do. So it lasts a few weeks and then come February, the machines are all clear again. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been guilty of that 100%. And then you feel awful when you fail, like that you have this feeling of like, I've not actually achieved my goal that I set out to do. Um, but I think that balance and that ha- sort of healthy balance between what our successes are and what those failures are, uh, it draws on that black box metaphor. Um, and I've both I've recently been reading, I've got it on my desk because I've been reading it at lunchtime, um, Matthew Saeed's book, um, Black Box Thinking. And he really explores that and obviously looks at the airline industry and how when incidents happen, um, he, he, you know, the black box is there to look at what's gone well. So what did the pilot do? What were the successes? How did they safely land the plane in a, in a scary event? But also when awful things and tragic things happen, there's obviously that learning point and the aviation industry are phenomenal at that, at unpicking what goes wrong. Um, and he explores that fear of failure against other sectors um, and it's really interesting read and it certainly provoked that mindset in me that actually we need to take some of that thinking into into our coaching sessions with our clients and also with our corporate clients as well yeah absolutely and it's being able to embrace the um the deeper reflection of yourself mm-hmm. and um take away some of the judgment from it 
Um, And I think, you know, we talked about this way. I know you've got a really good example of this, but where people have an identity of um, believing that they're the best at something, it's really hard then if they fail to admit that they've failed. Um, So... I know um, I I read a story about um, a surgeon. I know you've got a similar one about um, how they'd got latex gloves on and they were operating on someone and the person that they were operating on actually had an allergy to latex. Mm -hmm. But the surgeon was so convinced that this wasn't the case and that they could rescue this person and they'd got a team of adoring people around them that said, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know what you're doing, that it wasn't until the, the person was pretty much dying that somebody stepped in and said no you've got to get rid of the gloves and and save them um yeah that is yeah it is something that um you know it's that identity of no I I thought I was right because I'm the surgeon yeah and that skills and experience and that like you say people around us building us up and that increased confidence and self-awareness that people have got can actually be quite dangerous in those situations So, yeah, in that book, it it starts on that very sort of example where the lady goes in for a routine sinus operation and uh, unfortunately is tragically killed. And the mistakes of the anaesthetist and the surgeon, purely because there was no one watching the time on how long she was unconscious. And one of the lead nurses had said two or three times we need to perform a tracheostomy and she hadn't um, been heard. And they, you know, she had to respect the level of authority. And that's type type of what you find in hospital environments, that there's a hierarchical level of control. And, um, yeah, tragically, this lady died in her 40s going under a routine surgery. Um, and her husband was quite pivotal in saying, you know, what went wrong? How did, how did we fail and how did this happen? And, you know, the NHS don't often investigate failures because it's not their culture. It's only when it comes to a situation where they're sued, which are single digit percentages, it's really low that they actually explore that. So, yeah, it really kind of gets you thinking. And um, yeah, he, he'd been a pilot himself. So he'd worked in the aviation sector and he knew that every mistake he had made in his career, however minor it was, whether it was flying slightly high, low, too, too fast, was always interrogated because of the black box thinking mentality. So I think, yeah, you know, how far you want to take it, but actually, you know, really getting into that mindset of learning. Um, I've actually had two calls with two clients today and it's really got me thinking because one one is part of it that, as you know, we do some action learning groups with one client and they're going through quite a significant period of change. And we were talking about there, like how often do we put the pause button and say what's worked and what's not worked? Um, and they're their culture is very much about innovation and creativity. So it's all this that future looking stuff and all the good stuff that we expect from a value proposition. But what they don't do is stop and look back. Um, and many years ago, I worked in an organization and we had a process called Lessons Learned. And every time we finished a project, we did a mop-up session and it was Lessons Learned. And on some situations, it was finger pointing and hold people to account. And it was really, really healthy because it meant we were in the best place as a business to win new work, be confident and courageous with our clients to say, yes, we did this project. And yes, it wasn't the most successful, but this is what we've learned from it. Mm. And that went right through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we see this so many times in organisations where people have confirmation bias yeah. um, and, and they create teams of people that look and sound and think the same way that they yeah. do. 
Um, you know, I mean, there's been studies in America of I think it's something like ten thousand people every year are wrongly um, convicted for um, uh, you know uh, crimes yeah. because um, people have that confirmation bias on on juries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and decision makers have got that power of being able to make those choices when they're actually the wrong decisions that are being made. Yeah, and I think um, you know that's the the power of having an outsider or particularly with coaching or if you've got somebody that can have that reflective view to go I know you're the expert in this but have you thought about it from this perspective and it just breaks down that thinking to think outside of themselves yeah that's so true and when you were talking it just made me think well the same organization did the lessons learned we worked for Marks and Spencers And they were always about that mindset of making sure we've got the right people in the team. So they knew that people would always recruit people similar to themselves. And they did quite a large program, probably going back 10 years ago now, where they tried to break some of that down. And we tended for a project with them. And 15 people on that project were, we used Belbin psychometrics at the time, and 15 people were shapers on that project. We didn't have one complete finisher. And so when we presented that as part of our tender, there was absolutely no way we were going to win that work. But that project director had recruited, as I call them, minions of him, you know, little minions, um, because he thought that was the way to work. You know, that's what made a good construction project manager. And they were great. They were great people. But there was no way that project was going to have the comfort of finishing. You know, the snagging wasn't going to get done. The quality wasn't going to be right. And so we see that a lot with psychometrics we do, don't we, within teams? Um, Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, talking psychometrics there, this goes back to this kind of concept of, um, you know, in psychological terms, what we call cognitive dissonance. Yeah. You know, people, and I'm saying that's that theory of we um, believe that we want to do something or, you know, we've got that identity yeah. of being a doctor, so therefore anything that conflicts with that causes, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, discontent, or, you know, causes us to have that fight or flight response. And I know a really good example of this was, um, I think it was a, a cult group in America uh, run by someone called I think it was Marianne Keach and they said um, that they did form this group to say that the world would end on something like the 21st of December in 1951 something like that um, and they they got together and they said that um, what would happen is the day before the world would end everyone would be picked up on a flying saucer <laughs> and they'd be flown away to safety at midnight yeah. So when the group were all there, they said, you know, midnight came, no flying saucer appeared. So the leader of this cult, this Marianne, went outside and she prayed. And she came back and said, and said oh, you know, because we're all so faithful and we've been so dedicated to the cause, we've actually managed to save the world. And bear in mind that, you know, as part of this cult, this is genuinely, you know, people that have given away their homes, they've given away all their possessions, like everything, because they, they believe the world would end. And so instead of saying, oh, actually, maybe we got it wrong, they said, no, 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 we've been faithful. We've saved the world. It's not ended. That's just been Christ's day for, you know, having our lives carry on. And, and, it, and it's, you know, you see it in so many cases where people don't have that, can't hold the hand up and go, do you know what, I was wrong. 
yeah it, it was it was kind of really evident when the dna testing came in so um back in the 70s there was sort of lots of overturned convictions and i think for a lot long time there was only two states in america that recognized dna as a part of the appeal process um but when that kind of got spread across all the states in america there were lots of people who were having their convictions overturned and actually in matthew Said's book there's a really great manuscript in there from a prosecutor at an appeal hearing and it is absolutely absurd what he's put across in his in his uh, cross examination of the the defendant to the point that it's ludicrous and laughable um but he absolutely this cognitive dissonance was at the forefront he thought his conviction was right he was there he he worked this case for a substantial amount of time and was absolutely ensured that this conviction of this man because also also he was painted as you know this this rising hero because this guy who had um you know sexually well unfortunately had raped a young child and had convicted um violent harm on her had been convicted and so was portrayed as this hero you know the villain had gone to prison he'd found and and obviously put um and made sure that this guy was going to serve a lifetime sentence and then the dna overturned it um, and he went to the length of ensuring that the manuscript was never published because it was that much of a joke when you read what was said um, and that's cognitive dissonance. His skills, his experience, his knowledge, he wasn't prepared to backtrack on the fact that he'd made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it, it is terrifying. I think uh, I remember watching um, The Making of a Murderer. Um, I don't really see the documentary, it's yeah. a while ago now, but um, yeah, that's exactly it. The police did that. They 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 more or less gaslighted and manipulated yeah. um, you know, the, the victim into then believing that they had actually done the mm. murder and you know they pleaded guilty mm. um, so i think you know it's it's a very powerful thing mm. and you know, certainly when you look at leaders in organizations i've come across many people in senior positions that cannot and will not admit that they're wrong yeah. um to the detriment of the organization to the the staff um, mm. and it causes yeah. so much pain and angst unnecessarily Mm, yeah and it, and it's probably what breaks a large proportion of businesses sometimes or that relationship um and we see it from one of our hr days it's like psychological contract isn't it as well where you know sometimes you will have that relationship and rapport with somebody and that trust if someone just admits that they've made a mistake um yeah so for me that failure acknowledgement is massively part of that growth mindset isn't it you know that personal development how am i going to go from where i am to the future in recognizing that failure um and you know taking that time to reflect on where we were in 2023 i'm sure you say it's so easy to think about our successes and you know and we, we ended the year you know great we're going to the new year with this and we've got this amount of clients and we're so happy but it's really important as we go into that first couple of weeks of january that we just pause and think you know what what things could we have improved on? If you don't like to use the word failure, what things could we have improved on and how can we dissect some of that learning to make sure that we don't do it again? Um, it's, it's, it's what's going to shape a business moving forward. It is. And, and I think it's embracing the failure. So we, you know, we say this all the time to, to yeah. each other because mm -hmm. one of the NLP foundations is there's no such thing as failure, only yeah. feedback. Yeah. Um, so what can you do to build on that? Um, and I think it's something that 
we naturally do because you know as you said we had a planning day only yesterday mm. so we look at what what could we do better what can we mm. do where is it where um you know our ego might be coming in more so than what's mm. actually good for the business yeah um, so it's being able to have someone who's that critical friend yeah. um who can do that um and if you don't have that, then can you jot some ideas down on paper or spend some reflection time being mm. honest with yourself? Mm. Yeah, and I certainly did it the year before last when I was coming into my second year of business. And I luckily had grown a nice client base, um, had some really good work. But what I wasn't very good at is saying no. And so I had a client who was very demanding, paid reasonably well, but but their behaviour and the way they operated with me was was very very challenging and I'd said as I went into 2022 finishing the project I was having my son I wasn't going to go back and do any more work and I I went against that and they they picked up the phone it was a half an hour kind of freebie type scenario again and again I failed myself because I started chasing the money not what I set out as a goal and so I kind of went down a track and for my own personal kind of sanity I think at the time felt it was the right thing for me in the business and it wasn't until I was coached through that that someone said why are you doing that you know you said you were never going to do it and it was it was that accountability that I needed because we kind of narrate it differently in our head and that's that cognitive dissonance thing isn't it sometimes we put a different narrative against something because it's against what we believe so well I needed it well I needed the money I was just coming back after maternity leave I might have said that six months ago but I needed it to be different and so I was prepared to forego all the pain and the difficult ways of working and you know the, the the things that they wanted and that kind of morally didn't sit with me because I kind of thought actually it was about the money so the narrative on that on that what what was definitely a failure I went against what my goals were and my principles were and um yeah the narrative changed it just shifted whereas the yeah. coach was able to hold that mirror up and go actually you know if you if you're really honest with yourself you you failed <laughs> Yeah, that that's it. Um, but even you know, we do it in the smallest of ways at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly over Christmas, um, you, know, I try and eat fairly healthily, go to the gym, and then you just eat far more in excess than you would, drink more mm-hmm. than you would, um, and you justify it because oh well, I'm on holiday or you know I'm socialising with friends. It, it's that it is a cognitive dissonance because you know you feel guilty about it, but you make a justification. Yeah. Whereas actually just going, do you know what, actually, it's okay because, yeah, I am with friends and, and I am going to let my hair down for a bit, but I know I need to get back on this tomorrow and actually mm-hmm. I'm just not going to make an excuse. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go with it at this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, rather than continually telling ourselves a different story to justify our actions. Yeah, um, and that's what we do. We just shift it. So that's where it's important, isn't it, to have that sounding board sometimes. And I was certainly speaking to somebody today and, they'd had a scenario and the individual that they'd had the issue with that they needed to present to me in the coaching session was portraying that cognitive dissonance you know they they were kind of going through that that individual and calling them out because of their own lack of you know they knew what they were doing was wrong however they weren't going to admit it and trying to spell that out to somebody sometimes is also quite empowering because this individual's beating themselves up saying oh you know it's me and I lack confidence and I should have done this and I should have done that well actually that person was projecting that onto them they weren't prepared to say no you were actually right and I'm gonna own it and apologize they actually projected you know their authority their skills their knowledge and uh, pushed forward with that and uh, wasn't prepared to admit that they'd made a mistake as well so 
it can work both ways. You can kind of spotlight it through coaching for for the individual in this situation, sort of the victim, as well as the um, the person who's maybe made the failure as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's quite a heavy topic, this one. So um, mm-hmm. we, we, we won't go into it in, in too much detail, but we would really love to hear from anybody that's listened to this and thought, mm-hmm. oh, actually, I've not thought of it in that way before or perhaps not come across the term. Um, you know, if you've got any examples, please do get in contact with us because um, we love to hear people's stories. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Yeah, and I think I think for me, one of the things that I read last year that was one of the tape forwards for this, and it kind of shaped something that we're doing in the next few months as well, is Stephen Bartlett really said about that embracing failure being that key component to your resilience. And that really resonates with these two conversations that I've had just today. You know, if you really foster that mindset that you navigate those complexities, you've kind of got that opportunity to be, become more resilient as well. So if you recognise that failure, it supports, and that's going to be one of our big topics for this year with our workshops that we're doing as well. So they definitely go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in our future podcast, we will certainly be talking about um, the resilience course that we've got coming up as well. Um, so yeah, we'll put notes in our show notes about um, the book that you mentioned, Michelle. Um, and as I said, please please do get in touch and um, to send us your stories. Um, Uh, otherwise we will see you uh, next time thank you very much thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed it we rely heavily on word of mouth so if you found value in this episode please hit subscribe and share it with family and friends if you'd like to find out a bit more about us you can find us on our facebook group pair entrepreneurs club or alternatively on instagram pair entrepreneurs underscore club we hope you have a great week and we look forward to talking to you next time